You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Season's greetings. I love Christmas, but then who doesn't? Christmas is great. But the thing I've learned after doing my job for so many years is this. Nothing so great should be easy. And that's where I come in. I'm Christmas Chaos. We've never met, but you know my work. I'm the unseen but ever-present force that stuffs your stockings full of stress and decks your halls with anxiety. I love to keep your calendar full with office parties and school plays, family dinners. I love to stuff your mailbox full of invitations to Christmas decorating contests and, I don't know, gift wrapping extravaganzas. Sure, you could just say no to all those things, but then you'd be a jerk and everyone would hate you. But you don't think these things tangle themselves, do you? Sometimes you make my job too easy for me. Sure, you could have paid 10 extra dollars to get the bike already assembled. You're too smart for that. Ooh. I'm going to pass up a golden opportunity when it presents itself. This is Christmas chaos reminding you that you could take a day off and relax, but then you'd be a jerk and everyone would hate you. All right, so we come to Christmas time, and there's so many things that can take our peace, rob us from focusing on Jesus at Christmas time. I am blessed that I'm able to delegate a lot of that stuff to my wife. She takes care of it. In the past, you come to Christmas time, I've admitted this before, and if you're ever a recipient, don't laugh at me, but sometimes I feel like somebody's going to show up, and they're like going to give a gift, and I'm going to be like, oh. I have one for you too. And so I'll like go to the gas station and I'll get a bunch of gift cards and I'll like have them on standby just in case card, gift cards, Merry Christmas to you too. When I didn't even know that that was coming. And then for some reason, if I don't use them, I can just put them in my gas tank, you know? So it's like an insurance policy from disappointing somebody. That's one of my biggest fears at Christmas time is I'm going to disappoint somebody. And like in the video, then they would hate me because I was a jerk. So I don't want to have Christmas be like that. I want to focus on Christ, Jesus, and all of those things. But 
I know that your calendar's filled up with things. You've got holiday gatherings, Christmas parties. Glad that we have the Christmas party for the church early in December so that as people's calendar fills up, they travel and all these things that they can fit in time at River Rock. Today we want to focus on Jesus being the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this, it says in Isaiah 9. So we had talked about over the last couple of weeks, Jesus being wonderful counselor. Uh, last week we talked about him being mighty God and everlasting father. So today we're talking about prince of peace. And the word in the Hebrew for peace is shalom. And I'm sure that that's one of our favorite Hebrew words that we know that we hear people say sometimes is shalom or peace. That's what we need at Christmas time is we need peace. We need peace with God. We need peace with others. We need peace with ourselves. And we need to look forward to Jesus reigning as uh, the Prince of Peace as promised in Isaiah that he hasn't fully done yet, but he will according to the Bible. I want that kind of peace. Now, sometimes in my life personally, I can be surrounded by people that are kind and things are peaceful, but then I struggle sometimes with that, not that it's not the Holy Spirit, I don't think, it's the inner voice inside my head that criticizes what I do or tell me that it's not enough or it's not good enough or I should have done more or all of those things. I don't know if anybody else struggles with that. Probably not. I'm probably just special. I want to be blessed. I want to experience peace. I want to know that God is on my side. When I read Numbers 6, 24, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. I want that type of shalom. I want that type of peace. I want God to bless me. I want the Lord to turn His face toward me, be gracious, and He does. When I look back at all the ways that God has been faithful, it's absolutely amazing the way that God has worked in my life. And I look forward to the future, and there are still struggles and difficulties, and there always will be. But I trust, and I know that God can be trusted, and God can bring us peace. There are all sorts of struggles that come at Christmas time, like if you've lost a loved one and they're not there, that can be really hard. If you have marriage difficulties or relation difficulties with your siblings or friends or whatever, that can be difficult and not bring you peace. The going to the mall and having to buy things or your package not arriving on time and all those things are being the wrong size or the wrong thing or the fact that it seems like the things that you, the people you care about, the gifts they want are really a lot more money than you can afford kind of things can take away your peace. Sometimes you are able to get through the Christmas giving and all that stuff, and then you totally lose your peace in January when your credit card bill comes, and you're like, wow, I spent that much? Traveling can keep you from peace. As you try to get to where you need to go, sometimes the weather's not cooperative, sometimes your vehicle's not cooperative, 
Sometimes your arrangements for uh, the place that you stay aren't helpful and don't bring you peace. But a peace of God, the peace from God, a peace that says that we can be forgiven to experience the Prince of Peace. That's what I want. In Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, it talks about, in the Christmas story, it talks about the shepherds. Verse 8, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Would you be terrified? Uh, you would wonder, is this truly of God? I've never seen anything like this before. Should I be afraid? If you're in a right relationship with God and you understand the Bible and are clued in that they're angels, it could be really cool, but still maybe a little terrifying. But when you don't know God, when you're not right with God, or like they say in the movies, have you made your peace with God? If you haven't made peace with God, if you don't know where you stand in your relationship with Him and then you see an angel, a representative of Him, I can see that would be terrifying. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So the angels came and they wanted men shepherds, they wanted us to know that God offers peace through Christ, that we can have peace with God through Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, now may the Lord of peace give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with all of you. That type of peace, that sense of well-being, that sense that things are going to be okay. Peace can mean prosperity, well-being, health, completeness, Safety, I want that type of peace, that type of peace that I know that everything is going to be okay, that I can trust in the Lord. You know, there's lots of things that are around us that we don't really know what to do with that can rob our peace. And hopefully nothing will ever happen, but they could. I mean, you know, financially, things can like change overnight. They can go from good to bad. The whole North Korea the whole thought of war and nuclear war and all that, and, and you read in the news, like I think it was yesterday or the day before, um, they were saying that the Chinese need to get ready to go to war with North Korea, and they're building internment camps right now in China if they go to war with North Korea. And then people said, well, will the Russians step in to protect North Korea, and will America get involved, and all of this stuff. Uh, in Hawaii, I heard that they were uh, practicing nuclear bomb drills and they're thinking about doing it in California. And you wouldn't think this could happen today, but the world is not a peaceful place. Not yet, anyway. But I trust that God is ultimately in control, and He will get us through. I trust that as sickness is all around us, people are getting sick and things like that, that God will get us through. I trust that as the financial situation is always changing, that God will get us through. A trust that says, I know whom I have believed, I know what the Bible says, I know that if I seek him first, that he will provide what I need, I will trust in the Lord to have peace. So peace with God. Peace with God means 
that you know that your sin is forgiven. You know that God's wrath isn't turned towards you. You know that God is not angry and separated from you anymore. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As you know, Jesus came to live among us, and then he died on the cross and rose again, and he opened the door for us to be saved by believing upon him, and that it brings us peace with God. God sees what Jesus did, and he sees us positionally righteous, sees us right in the way that we should be, so we can enter into a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we can have that peace through God. And a great thing for your devotions today might be to read Romans chapter 5. And if you're really a good reader, maybe you want to read Romans chapter 5 that talks about how we're justified by faith and how we're made right with God. And Romans chapter 6, it talks about how we're dead to sin and how we should live our lives. And then Romans chapter 7, that talks about how Paul struggled sometimes to live the Christian life. Sometimes the things he wanted to do, he didn't do. And Romans 8, 1, that says, therefore there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I think that's on here, actually. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. He knew we weren't perfect. He knew we were messed up. He knew we needed help. And he has paved the way for us to be made right, for us to be in a right relationship, for us to experience the peace of God. And here's that Romans 8 one. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ changes our life. Christ can bring us peace. Spending time in God's Word helps us to see and understand God's peace, how God deals with us in the way that we are supposed to live. There are so many things that come into our life that can try to disrupt our peace. For instance, when you're trying to spend time with God, trying to find the peace of God, you can be interrupted. You can find other things to do, distractions. If you have kids, maybe they'll like start bickering or break something while you're trying to find some time with the Lord. Maybe the phone will ring. Maybe they'll be, you know, sounds like something important on your phone. So many distractions. I find a distraction that I'm having right now and that I've actually had for a couple of years is with Bible translations. So for years, most churches just said, you know, the New American Standard Bible was a great translation for word-for-word -word study, and the New International Version 1984 was pretty good for church services and memorization, and so we all did it. And it was good. And over, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was overall good and acceptable. And then they took that away from us in 2011 and gave us a changed NIV Bible and an ESV Bible that was kind of harder to read and a New Living Translation that's been changed to make it more accurate, that a lot of times it's like the New American Standard Bible. And then, you know, all these different Bible translations and all these fights and feuds over which Bible translation. And so I sit there and I, you know, I know it's God's Word, but I sit there and I'm like, well, which one am I going to memorize? Because now I look at a parallel list of like nine different versions and I'm like, well, that one probably is better, but maybe this one. And it's a distraction, and it gets in the way of my peace with God. I mean, I suppose I could just you know, go to the Greek and Hebrew and try to memorize that, but that's not necessarily helpful for people I'm trying to reach, and it would totally take more time, a lot more time. So to experience peace with God, you come to God on His terms. To experience peace with God, you work with the things that you trust and know. To experience peace with God, 
you do memorize Scripture and you do get it into your heart and into your life. And sometimes you find things that you don't necessarily understand, but you keep moving forward and you pray and you pray for others and you serve God. And basically you choose to do the things that you know that are right, even if they're inconvenient, even if they're not fun, that you do what you know is right in God's eyes and trust that God will reward and help and bless. On the other hand, with all those different Bible translations, it's like word pictures. It's like, you know, words describe a picture. And I found that sometimes that the way that things have been translated have brought a lot of light on the text in a way that helps you to understand it even more. And so it's a blessing. I should, we should totally be glad and blessed that we have so many opportunities to read a Bible, to listen to a Bible, to share Bibles, to have digital Bibles. Um, so many opportunities. Peace with God is what we need. Acts 10.36 says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Jesus came to bring us peace. That is the most exciting thing about Christmas time, is that Jesus came to teach us how to live, to help us to have peace with God, to help us to serve Him in a way that is eternally significant and meaningful, to prepare us to live with Him for all eternity, and even get rewards for the things that we do now in this life. What a great blessing it is to experience peace with God. J.I. Packer, an English-Canadian theologian, said, The Christmas message is that there is hope for a ruined humanity, hope of pardon, hope of peace with God, hope of glory, because at the Father's will, Jesus Christ became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later He might hang on a cross. And even better than that, he didn't stay there, but he overcame death. He rose from the dead. He was seen by many others. It's written about in the Bible. The Bible changes lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. For 2,000 years, people have been worshiping and following Christ. And so many people's lives have been totally transformed and totally changed. We can experience peace with God. Uh, the way that we come into that relationship with Christ is by asking, by realizing that we're a sinner, by praying something like, Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin and to come into my life and save me and make me the person you created me to be. When you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and come into your life, the Bible says that you'll be saved. You'll become a new creation. You'll become born again. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. You'll be assured heaven and so many other things. Experience peace with God. It is a great thing to have peace with God. It's nothing that we want to keep to ourselves. We want to share that with others. If I found the ultimate gift, say they were giving stuff away at the store, and so, I mean, say they were giving away $100 gift cards at the store for the first 500 people to walk through the door on a Monday, and I found out about that, and I knew that you were available, and I didn't tell you I wouldn't be a very good friend, would I? Best thing I could do is say, hey, I know where you can get this great deal. Why don't you come with me? Well, even better than a $100 gift card, is peace with God, to be saved from our sins, to be able to live in Christ, to experience peace with God. Number two, to experience peace with others. Peace with others. So I know that you come to family gatherings and things, and there's some people that you know that are friends or relatives or somebody's going to be there that you don't have the best relationship with, that there's no peace there. And as far as you're concerned, you're not going to do anything within your power to make any kind of peace. You are just going to endure that person or try to avoid that person or 
if that person is in that room, you're going to be in this room over here because your idea of peace is to stay away from that person. What if you could pray for your enemies? What if you could pray for that person and reach out to them and try to bring peace? Here Paul in Ephesians 4 says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. And always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. To bring peace. To bind together with peace. To ask the Holy Spirit for help in that relationship, in that circumstance. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because you're living the life that you were called to live. Because the Bible says that when you're in Christ, that you're an ambassador for Christ. You're a minister of reconciliation, that God has a plan and purpose for your life. And God wants you to walk in a way worthy, to live a life worthy. Experience peace with others. Pursue peace with others. Jesus says in Luke 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives you do I give to you. Not let your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So if we truly have faith in Christ, then we should bring our cares to Him, our concerns, and we shouldn't be afraid. We should follow after the things of the Lord and walk in a way that trusts, that comes to the next challenge or the next hill or the next difficulty and trust that God can get us through that he'll give us the courage or the resources or that somebody will come alongside of us at that time. If you don't have something, you should ask God for it. You should pray for it. You should seek God's will in it. Experience peace with yourself. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. To have Christ ruling in your heart, trusting him totally, coming to the situation, whatever it is that you're in, no matter how difficult it is, and say, I'm going to glorify God in this situation. I might be misunderstood by others. I might be taken advantage by others. But I'm going to do what God wants me to do, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, even if people think I'm naive, or if they think I'm stupid or foolish for doing such a thing, I'm going to put God first. Imagine if you did that in your workplace, if you did that in all the things that you do. I know it's easy to talk about. It's harder to do. But when you are doing the right thing, it brings peace, and the peace of God will rule in your hearts. So many times we don't have peace with God because we don't think we measure up. We don't think that we're good enough. We look at the list of the things you're supposed to do in the Christian life, and we, we rate ourselves, and we say we're not, we're not good enough. You know, I, I know I'm supposed to pray, and I'm supposed to read my Bible, and I'm supposed to share my faith, and I'm supposed to give my finances back to God, and I'm supposed to do all these things. And then you look at the list, and then you measure what in your head, you know what you're doing. You look at the things that you do and how you do them, and you're like, it's not good enough. Or you sin and do things that aren't perfect in God's will, and so you slip up, you fall into temptation, you do things, maybe not major things, maybe things that nobody would notice except you and God, and that robs you of your peace. And maybe the Holy Spirit's working on you, and you need to need to acknowledge that as sin and ask God to help you. Maybe you're stuck in some kind of addiction or maybe you need help from that. There's self-help resources and counselors and things like that that can help. But Ephesians 2 says it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
which means it's not your salvation, your, your walk with God isn't on you. It's on Jesus. So you are forgiven. You walk in the Lord and do what's right or try to do your best, but know that ultimately it's taken care of because He's saving you because of what Christ has done. He's saving you because it's the gift of God. He's saving you so that you can bring Him glory. No one's going to get to heaven like they won, you know, some kind of you know champion survivor show or something like that, and say, "I'm number one. Look at me." So it's going to be, "I don't deserve to be here. Look at Jesus," because no one is going to boast about the way they work their way into a right relationship with God, because we all know that we fall short. Titus three five, He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So he saved us. Why? Because of the righteous things we had done? No, not because of the righteous things we had done. Because of his mercy and his grace. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense is a good way to uh, say grace. But he generously poured out the Holy Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ. So he is working out a plan. And if we yield ourselves to his plan, if we follow his plan, he will do great things through us, and we can experience peace with ourselves because we know we're not perfect, we know we're messed up, and we shouldn't just say, oh, that's just the way I am, so deal with it. Instead, we should say, I'm not perfect, I'm messed up, but I'm totally forgiven. God is at work in my life. He's slowly changing me, and I'm becoming more like Christ every day, and I know I'll fall and mess up, but when I do, I can seek forgiveness, get back up, and keep moving forward. Experience peace with yourself. And number four, finally expect peace in the world. This is my favorite part, actually. Peace in the world. And if you looked at all of the things that Jesus accomplished, what Jesus did, all the things that he has done to bring us forgiveness and and shalom in our life, it's absolutely amazing. Here, this is from John Ortbergs. Who is this man? In some ways, our biggest challenge engaging Jesus' influence is that we take for granted the ways in which our world has been shaped by him. For example, children would be thought of differently because of Jesus. Historian Owen Bakke wrote a study called When Children Become People, The Birth of Childhood in Early Christianity, in which he noted that in the ancient world, children usually didn't get named until the eighth day or so. Up until then, there was a chance that the infant would be killed or left to die of exposure, particularly if it was deformed or of unpreferred gender. This custom changed because a group of people who remembered that they were followers of a man who said, let the little children come to me. Remember, Jesus never married, but his treatment of women led to the formation of a community that was so congenial to women that they would join in record numbers. Jesus never wrote a book, yet his call to love God with all of one's mind would lead to a community with such a reverence for learning that when the classical world was destroyed in what are sometimes called the Dark Ages, that little community would preserve what was left of its learning. In time, the movement he started would give rise to libraries and then guilds of learning. He never held an office or led an army, and yet the movement he started would eventually mean the end of emperor worship. He cited in documents like the Magna Carta, begin a tradition of common law and limited government, and undermine the power of the state rather than reinforce it as other religions in the empire as they had done. It is because of his movement that languages such language such as we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, entered history. The Roman Empire, into which Jesus was born, could be splendid but also cruel, especially for the malformed and diseased and enslaved. 
This one teacher had said, quote, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did for me, unquote. An idea slowly emerged that the suffering of every single individual human being matters and that those who are able to help ought to do so. Hospitals and relief efforts of all kinds emerged from this movement. Even today, they often carry names that remind us of him and his teachings. Humility, which was once scorned in the ancient world, became enshrined in a cross and was eventually championed as virtue. Enemies who were thought to be worthy of vengeance, quote, help your friends and punish your enemies, unquote, came to be seen as, as worthy of love. Forgiveness moved from weakness to an act of moral beauty. Even in death, Jesus' influence was hard to escape. The practice of burial in graveyards or cemeteries was taken from his followers. It expressed the hope of resurrection. Death did not end Jesus' influence in many ways. It started it, and Jesus brought us peace. He influenced life. If you read in your devotions, you can read Isaiah 11, which is a foretelling of the way things will be when Christ is reigning and ruling. Luke 1.32 says, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. 2 Peter 3.8 says, Do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come repentance. So the Bible shows us that Jesus is going to return. And some people are like, he's been waiting like 2,000 years. You guys should give up on that idea because it hasn't happened yet. And if it really was going to happen, it would have happened by now. But scripture tells us that Jesus is being patient, that he's not concerned about time. He's concerned about people coming into a right relationship with him. The door is still open for people to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior so that they can experience eternity with him, to be saved from their sin, to not suffer the penalty of their sin, to not live eternity separated from God. So we can expect peace in the world. We can expect Jesus to return and to make things right and to rule justly and to do wonderful things that was foretold even in the book of Isaiah that we can read about in Isaiah 11. Acts 1.11, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the angel said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who had been taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. That hasn't happened yet, but it will. And what a great day that will be if we're ready, if we're experiencing peace with God, if we're ready to meet the Lord. We should not say, well, you know, if Jesus is going to come back and make everything right, then it doesn't matter what I do, you know, I'll just coast. Instead, we should be actively working for him and trying to build up his local church and help people grow up in their faith and to help people get saved and to do all the things that we have resources and time to do. Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Jesus constantly talked about there's a different age coming, there's a different time coming, and at that time there will be peace in the world, more peace than the UN can offer, than governments can offer. Jesus will make things right. Isaiah 32:17, And the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. The future for the Christ follower is peace. Peace in the Lord. Peace in the world. Whatever he has for us, wherever we are, 
we will experience the kind of peace that we dream of, that we desire, that we want. Some people think heaven is going to be boring, that we're not going to be able to do the things that are fun. Well, some people think you're going to be stuck on a cloud playing a harp, and some people aren't into that. Maybe you are. But that, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. I don't even know how the Bible could describe all the things that God has planned for us. Zechariah 8.3 says, Thus says the Lord, I have returned to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. It's very interesting that you know the government, the president, is trying to officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital now, even though they had voted to do it many years ago. And that doesn't necessarily bring peace at the time, but it sure makes it seem like all the end-time prophecies and things are, that need to happen are coming into order and that Christ could return any time that Jesus is going to reign from a throne in Jerusalem, the Bible says. And Psalm 122.6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. That's a pretty good promise, actually. God bless those people who pray for Jerusalem. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my brothers and friends, I will say, Peace be with you, within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. So we should expect peace. We should pray for Jerusalem. We should be excited for the Lord to return. Whatever he has for us, whatever he does, we should just trust that he has got our best interest in mind and that we will be secure in his peace and safety. <clears throat> when you come to Christmas time, don't miss it. When you come to Christmas time, take opportunity to be with the people you care about. You can watch this really short video clip of putting Christ first at Christmas time, and then the worship team will come up and sing. It is said that the door to the stable where the Christ child was born is very low, and only those who kneel can find access. I have taken it for granted. This gift of a child, this creator being created, this light born into darkness. I took this for granted until I looked upon my own child, whose eyes bring mercy to my soul, whose embrace peace to my heart, whose laugh joy to my world. I could not fathom the thought, could not muster the courage, am not capable of the love it would take to give my child up to those who don't know, to offer my child to those who would harm, to sacrifice my child for those who pursue hate. This gift of light, of love, of life, this joy in the world, this peace on earth, this mercy wild, this God, this sinner, forever reconciled, provokes a humble response to offer my heart, to turn my eyes, to fall to my knees and worship.
You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives. 